Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Exert Breakthrough Laboratory podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Scott Steele, and I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey, everyone. And Armando Mastracci. Hey, everyone. So, how are you guys doing today? Awesome. We just had lunch. <laughs> had some uh, pork, uh, pork bruschetta. Yeah, por- porchetta, as, por- as it's called. Yeah. Okay. Which was... Uh, top Top notch. Top notch and some nice pasta and uh, what were those Portuguese uh, um, egg tarts? Yeah, egg tarts. Good. Oh, that was good. That was excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Stephen, rumor has it uh, you've got a new puppy in the house. I'm getting a lot of extra excess uh, from walking our new five-month-old puppy Twain. He's a standard poodle and he's a um, a foster dog from uh, the guide dog so we are fostering him until he's about 15 to 18 months when he goes back in for full-time training it was our second uh, second kick at the can after we had auto a few years back and but yeah Twain uh, as you can expect is a very very boisterous five month old and requires lots of attention lots of walks so between my wife and I we uh, get a lot of extra steps in during the day but it's all good you got extra time now that you don't have to teach this semester mm-hmm. and he, we managed to survive the christmas season without him knocking over the tree or eating every <laughs> single ornament definitely unlike uh auto the uh, lab <laughs> well we've been uh still busy in the environmental ergonomics lab uh just plowing away at uh, data collection so not too much to report on my end. Uh, everyone will have to stay tuned until we get the result, the full results from my study. Yeah, we're currently so. juggling uh, four different experiments, piloting a fifth one, and getting a sixth one with some military testing for the Canadian Forces, some of their new clothing. That's going to start, so that'll be, what, five and, and an extra one that we're piloting. So, yeah, things are going a bit hopping in the, mad, in the lab. It's a bit chaotic, but we make it work. Are we going to still see you in the Exert Serpa Seeker rides on Wednesdays? Oh, yes. So uh, anybody that's not aware, uh, we actually do host an Exert uh, ride every Wednesday. Uh, it is at 5.45 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I don't know what that would be. Greenwich means like 10, 10.45 a.m. Yep, 10.45. Um, 2.45 a.m. if you're on the West Coast. <laughs> That sounds like a great time to ride. Yeah. I don't know about you, <laughs> but we do. Sorry uh, for you folks out in California. <laughs> uh, uh, so anybody that would be uh, interested, we ride every Wednesday morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, five forty-five Eastern. I uh, would love to see you out there. We, we've got a really good uh, group that comes back every single week, so we enjoy the banter. Uh, it's seventy-five minutes, but it always goes by. It seems seemingly much faster than that. Yeah, so, so we have a lot of um, like just regular non-exerts with riders that are on it. Um, we posted at two to two point five watts per kilo. So if you are using exert and you're on the system and you want to get a good kind of base training workout, and we're gonna, we're going to be talking about workouts today, but uh, you want to get a good kind of base training endurance ride, then uh, what you can do is you can you can go in. This is not cheating. I've asked for an official ruling and they say this is not cheating. You can adjust your weight. So adjust your weight to be your lower threshold divided by 2.5. So if you're, you know, if your lower threshold is let's say 250 uh, and you should set your weight to 100 kilograms. I know that might be a lot more than what you weigh, but if you do set it to 100 kilograms, then 
the target kind of wattage for that workout is going to be relatively at or just below your your LTP throughout that ride. So it'll be a perfect kind of uh, endurance it, ride. It might be a little bit harder than it would be if your weight was set normally, but that makes right. sure that you get the most efficient use of your time. Exactly, to... exactly. You really want to make sure this is a good, strong <laughs> endurance ride. So you do that by adjusting your weight. Especially for some of those guys that might have a, a yeah. relatively uh, high LTP. Right. Uh, yeah, where yeah. noodling along at, at maybe let's 150 or 200 watts might be too easy for them. So Or vice versa. Um, some or, people find it really hard. They get, get to the ride and go, why is this so hard? Well, you know, we're, it's just the way it is. It's 2 to 2.5 for this not that hard for a lot of people and probably too hard for some others so it's in that kind of mid mid ground uh or midway point so you adjust the difficulty by adjusting your weight you just got to remember that if you are going to go back into a race yes, uh change it, it back yeah make sure you change it back <laughs> so um that yeah. open invitation anyone that wants to join come come join us wednesday sure. mornings it's mm -hmm. a fun ride we we really enjoy hosting those so looking forward to seeing you riding around watopia and mm -hmm. london um, what about you, Armando? What do we uh, What do we have? Any sneak peeks inside Exert yet? Well, we we, um, we, we yeah we, we you know we talked a little bit about some things coming up in the in the last podcast. Uh, um, what we have done, I'll just mention this: what we've added some interesting little kind of minor, small little feature updates, which are kind of fun. So in the past, when um, you would do an Exert workout, you'd get the Exert. Um, uh, a workout name attached to your workout so you would see the workout name it'll be named that way it'd be named that way in exert and then it would be uploaded to Strava with the uh, with the workout name so that was kind of nice uh, we'd also upload a bunch of exert cycling summary stats up, up onto Strava so you'd get them obviously within exert but then you'd see some of those summary stats in Strava and those are good for you to see as well as kind of sharing with others kind of what exerts about getting them more mm -hmm. familiar with it uh, the other thing we just added now is that below the uh, the summary on uh, Strava is you'll get the description of the workout now shows up. So uh, it also shows up on the exert um, uh, activity as well. So you'll get you'll be able to kind of review what the kind of workout was about and kind of how hard it was and what kind of information is in it. So you get a little bit more information about that workout both on Strava as well as on uh, on exert. Yeah, so you can share the uh, exert love with all of your uh, followers on on Strava. Well, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about they, they they're trying to share the love with uh, with exert, and it's hard for a lot of people because there's it's it's new and new concepts, and so it's kind of often hard for people to convey the various aspects of exert. Even though I know they're, I've, I've, you know. I think there's some people like me that were just kind of excited about the mm -hmm. about the platform and the possibilities. So we kind of want to share that with our friends and people that we ride with. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, that's very appropriate uh, because today we're going to be talking about uh, how to choose a workout uh, within Exert. And so um, I was hoping that we could start up the discussion today with just some general points about kind of why do we do workouts? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we you can refer back to previous podcasts we talk. I believe episode six uh, is focused on uh, a general training program, but uh, like I mentioned, I was hoping we could start with talking about why why do a workout in the first place. Well, there's a difference between just riding around and kind of being targeted for training kind of for a purpose. There's certainly training just to be fitter, healthier, and that's completely cool and great and 
very worthwhile. But if you have a, you know, kind of a target in mind, whether it is a specific event or even if it's just to keep up with your buddies on the group ride and make it to the top of this hill or or to you know, get in the final mix for the uh, sprint, the town line sprint, whatever, then the reason for a workout or for training becomes to perform in that task as opposed to I just want to be fitter overall. So the key aspect of any training program then is to build your fitness up to be specific to the task at hand. So you know, if you're a cyclocross rider, for example, you are going to be training completely differently from even we'll talk about kind of the fine nuances, but from a one hour, you know, 40K time trial rider, even though it might still be an hour race, the demands of the sport are completely different. It's even kind of refined down to the point where you may be a crit rider and you, or you may be a cross rider and they're the dynamics and the purpose of the training and the demands of, of that specific discipline is still completely different. So whether it's from your metabolic angle, from your neuromuscular adaptations, from a whole host of things, you have to be very specific. So that's ultimately the purpose of why we do a workout as opposed to why do we just ride. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Just put in the hours. Uh, you know, ride more each day or each week or each month and you will get fitter, but you may not necessarily become fitter towards a specific target. So that's really in a broad philosophical sense why we train or why we do a specific workout as opposed to just go and ride. And I think this brings us back to something Armando and I were actually chatting about a little bit earlier and that's uh, kind of this idea of the farther away you are from your target event, the, the less specific your workouts necessarily need to be. So I was hoping maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on, on how, are, how are the workouts that we do need to be a little bit more specific as we're starting to get closer to that target event date. Well, if you think about it, you know, if you think about the, let's say the week beforehand, the week before your actual race, the actual dates and times and specifics of each workout become really, really important. You just can't sort of, you know, you, you, you can't just double up on a, on a, on a, on a, on a training workout or, or do something completely different on the week before because it's going to impact your performance. So it becomes very vital to make sure you're approaching your training and your workouts to be very specific. Uh, the week beforehand with fits a taper and if you're in a few weeks beforehand you want to make sure you're doing the exact types of workouts that are going to be most beneficial towards that training event so your the, spe the specifics of the workouts and the goals of the workouts and the need to be compliant with those workouts increases the closer you are to that event so you know, if you're six months away and you're on a training program, you, you know, you're, yeah, it's good to do the workouts that are prescribed, but, you know, compliance in terms of workouts isn't really going to be all that important. And so we talked a little bit about this in the past, that further away you are, the less important the specifics of the workouts. But as you're doing the workouts, the way Stephen was describing, you, it's important, you know, if you want to achieve the best you can be, 
at a given point in time. And that might just be because of a type of event you're training for. It might just be because you just want to achieve a certain level, you know, so some people just want to reach a certain level. Um, then, you know, you're going to want to be more sensitive to the actual workouts or in the end, this may not even be the actual workouts per se, the actual workout design that is, but the, what does the workout do? So what is the focus of the workout? What's the excess of the workout? What's the difficulty of the workout? All those things become more and more important as the event nears and obviously as far as how well and how you want to optimize your performance leading into that event, then all those things become more important. So if there is an athlete out there that's listening to this and they've got maybe their target event like midsummer or late summer uh, and they're looking to hop on the trainer today, they don't necessarily need to choose the, the top recommended workout for today. They can kind of look through the library, see what's an interesting workout and try and match it somewhat to the, to the XSS deficit but they shouldn't feel bad about kind of choosing a workout that they enjoy doing this time of year. Right. I think that's, that's, that's true. And I think, but I don't also don't want to leave somebody with the impression that, you know, you can do whatever you want during base phase, you know? So I think, you know, you think about making some exceptions and whether you miss a workout or not, you, you know, you, it's, you know, you don't want to be doing any of that, obviously. But if, like I said, it's just if it's further out, then, you know, you have more time to recover, more time to kind of make up for whatever you missed and things like that. It's harder to make up for missed workouts, you know, two weeks le leading into the event. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't boost up your threshold by 25 watts in a week. You know, it's just, you just can't make up for those mis mistakes. So, um, yeah, so, so if you're in the base phase, you, you want to be doing kind of base training. Um, and you're, you can afford to be a little bit more flexible in terms of the workouts that you do, but ultimately during the base phase, as an example, you want to be adding as much low intensity strain to your workouts as possible. What you can handle with the, with the greatest density in terms of, you know, how much, how efficiently can you add this train, this low training, uh, uh, low training load, um, and how much of it can you add during that, during that base phase that's going to help you reach a certain, you know, maximize the, the uh, lower training load that you can accumulate, which in, in essence makes your threshold as high as it can be over that period. Yeah, and that's something really important to keep in mind right now for us in the Northern Hemisphere is in the middle of winter. And for example, I have my goal in the XATA, the Adaptive Training Advisor set for Paris Ancaster at the end of April. And, uh, but so right now I'm in my base phase and, but I kind of have a standing rule that whatever it tells me, if right now in these next month or two, if I'm able to get outdoors and go for a long endurance ride, I'm going to go do that instead because it's, sure. it's going to, because I, you know, I just can't or not willing to put in two hours on the indoor trainer, whereas I can easily accumulate 130, 150 XSS, you know, with a long, steady endurance ride. And that's still going to, you know, really push my low intensity effort, low intensity strain. It's going to give me, you know, that much benefit compared to trying to do the same thing on a trainer, which I'm just not willing to do, um, you know, 
so even if I have a very specific workout planned kind of on the trainer, just like, um, you know, the other day or over Christmas where it's like, wow, we suddenly had a few really nice days. And so I just got out and did long rides instead on those days and didn't worry about what the training advisor was telling me. I can afford to do that because I'm four months away from my target event. I probably wouldn't be kind of doing that if it was in mid-April and I was really peaking for this specific event at the end of April. You're right. That's a great point. And so if you're if you're in the base phase and you know you're stuck indoors but you have an opportunity to really get a chance to go and go do a much longer ride then absolutely by mm. all means you know that's really going to be advisable during the base phase because you're going to accumulate more low intensity strain over that longer ride than if you just happen to ride you know for an hour indoors so that would be a good way to choose your workout or choose the training that you need to do and then you'd say, well, what would be a bad choice? Well, you know, if you're in the middle of January during your, your base phase, you know, and then you, you hop on the bike and you do a crit race, and, you know, whether that's in, indoors or on, or on Zwift or what have you, and you're trying to do your base training and you smash yourself and then you can't get on the bike again for another few more days because you worked, you, it, was, it was so hard, well, you, you might want to think that's not the optimal way to train. You think you miss, you're losing opportunity to add more low intensity strain. Uh, you've added some great high intensity and peak intensity strain. That's great. It's not going to last very long, but it's, it's obviously, it's, you, you know, you'll get a little bit of benefit from that. But you really have lost an opportunity both during the workout itself to get a good dose of your low intensity strain as well as losing or, you know, missing out on opportunities in the future as a result of having to take some recovery from that high and peak intensity. So in that sense, you know, if you either did a workout like that or uh, chose to do a race like that, it's probably not the, the best choice in terms of uh, training at this time. I think it brings up a, a point that you made a couple weeks back. Um, I, I enjoy bringing up uh, Armando's mm -hmm. controversial uh, posts on social media. So uh, mm -hmm. here comes another one. Uh, mm -hmm. If I recall correctly, it was something along the lines of if you're pedaling easy during base phase, uh, then you're doing something wrong. Or it was something along those lines. Mm -hmm. uh, would you be able to maybe elaborate or help explain what was kind of what's your idea behind that? Well, the the idea was that I often see. You know, whether it's people on, you know, posting the rides on Strava or posting even various workouts that they've done on Strava. And I see these long periods in the workouts or in the, uh, in the actual rides where they're just noodling along. Um, I thought, well, what a wasted time. What's time wasted? Like, where, why aren't you pedaling? You know, if you're in the base phase, every, every time you pedal, you're adding strain, low intensity strain. Every, every time you turn the pedal. So if you just keep turning it as much as you can, you're gonna keep adding low intensity strain. And if you can do a little bit under, under fatigue, even better. But the idea is you just gotta keep turning that pedal. And if you're pedaling lightly, right, or pedaling easy, or however you wanna describe it, if you're, in other words, if you're pedaling less than what you can do right now, or, you know, or you're, if you're being forced to pedal easy, then you're, you're not getting the maximal amount of low intensity strain. You're missing an opportunity to add more. So at any point during your workout, 
you know, you should you shouldn't really have many uh, like long periods in your workout where you're just noodling along. That's wasted effort. And if you're forced to do that because of either previous high intensity efforts in the workout or even you know previous intensity efforts from the ride you know yesterday if you're having to stay off the bike because you need to rest then yeah you're missing an opportunity to add more strain so your numbers at the end aren't going to be as high in comparison to if you had just continued to pedal and not included all that intensity in your, in your training so you're kind of looking for this intensity around or at lower threshold power something that's that you're able to sustain for quite a while but it's not going to fatigue you to the point that you need an interval or a recovery interval or a recovery kind of day i guess that's right so if you, you know if you go if you go too hard to the point where you have to slow down then you're, you've gone too hard you've just got to keep pedaling yeah. as much as you can with within the with the time that you have available all right, so that brings me uh, up to another discussion point that I was uh, hoping to, to discuss with both of you, and that's uh, when do you choose to maybe do a more challenging workout, or when would you perhaps choose to do a breakthrough workout? I know that's... Like a Ronestat workout? <laughs> I, yeah, said, yeah, I said it first. No, I want to talk about Ronestat workouts. I've <laughs> so never done it, one, but... It's, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it's a... I got to it first. <laughs> All right. We just need to... Stephen's not allowed to talk about it anymore. All right. That's it for you, Stephen, today. (laughs) So it it is a question that we get quite a bit. It's, um, I mean, uh, we'll talk more about the the adaptive training advisor in a little bit here, Mm -hmm. but something that you won't see is exert breakthrough tests. You won't see anything recommended to force a breakthrough from the adaptive training advisor. And so... um, how should our users kind of know maybe when it would be time for that breakthrough workout or is that, does it fit into their kind of training program right now? So um, one thing that we describe in our documentation and the software unfortunately isn't able to do this on an automated level for you, at least not today. And we might think about doing it in the future, but if you're in the middle of your base training where most of your rides are going to be easy rides, you're you know, somewhere around lower threshold or below, um, you're, you're not going to be recommended any kind of breakthrough workouts. So the way that the, the, the decay method, so to get into these the more technical aspects, but the decay method, which is how your signature kind of varies and, and changes with your training. Um, the default method, which is called Optimo, will, sh- will have a slight decay, a slight decline over time. So even as you continue your, your training, you're going to slowly see your fitness signature come down. Right. We've talked about this in the past, and, and we have a lot of users that still you know, are unfamiliar with that and, and we're wondering why, if I'm training, is my num- are my numbers coming down? It's just the nature of how this optimal decay method works. It kind of expects you to have breakthroughs. So if you're in the middle of your base training phase, you should likely be switching over to the no decay method. All right. You just have to remember that you're on the no, no decay method later in the future when you want to switch it back. So, so the system doesn't automate this for you. You've got to go and you've got to go and make that change. And if you make a change, if you set it to no decay, then you're going to see your numbers, assuming you're going to be able to achieve some improvement, right, relative to your own current training load. You're going to see those numbers increase in in concert with your training. So as you're doing more and more base training and your training load increases, you're gonna see your threshold power increase at the same at the same rate. 
okay and you kind of want that because that way you're seeing that increase and you're not seeing a decline which wouldn't you know you since you're not performing these work these breakthrough workouts you 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 kind of would benefit from the system having to track that 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 uh, track your tra your threshold with your training um once you move off of kind of base phase and you're into more of the build phase and the peak phase when you start adding more intensity then you can start to add in those breakthrough workouts whether they're you know just riding outdoors or in some kind of race or you do a specific breakthrough workout in intentionally that's going to allow the system to kind of regain regain its its uh um it's you know it's, your fitness signature is going to be uh, confirmed confirmed exactly by the efforts so you're going to be uh back on track again so that's really how I would go about it. Base phase, you kind of set to no decay. And then once you finish your base phase and can start doing breakthrough workouts, then you start doing them as required to get your signature back on track. Something that'll, that you might notice in the system is that if you are on the optimal decay and it's been a while since your last breakthrough, you will see a pop-up uh, that says, hey, your signature is stale. You might consider a breakthrough activity. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you do have one of those pop-ups, it might be time. Maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be a 20 minute test it doesn't like we like we talked about in many podcasts it doesn't need mm -hmm. to be some standardized test but it might be uh perhaps time to try and force a fit, fitness signature breakthrough um, now in the past a lot of times with older methods you usually take your your standard test every four or every six weeks um, but what's kind of cool now like you, we talked about with that no decay method is it's not necessarily required mm -hmm. uh, during that base phase so mm -hmm. yeah and over the last couple of years of using exert i found again in the base phase off season i just switch it to the no decay mode and and uh it when i kind of get around to doing a breakthrough effort it it matches pretty closely so i've quite high confidence in in it it's certainly not you know when i do achieve breakthroughs it's not as if my threshold power suddenly goes up 20 watts or go down 20 watts it it's within a couple of couple of watts of of what the um, the adaptive training advisor or sorry the exert model has been predicting all along. So it's uh, pretty good. Same with the HIE. It maybe changes one or two kilojoules up or down. It's not as if it suddenly again goes up by ten, goes down by five, kind of idea. So and that's been pretty successful even. I've talked about in previous podcasts where I've my last winter in Kelowna where I was mixing in cross-country skiing, snowboarding, climbing, running, all sorts of activities. I know my body well enough that that of approximately how much XSS each kind of non-bike workout is and it still works out pretty well. So yeah, it's um, in the off season, it's not necessarily crazy essential that you have a breakthrough effort but on the other hand if you feel like it you know and rather than just riding at low intensity kind of a lower threshold day after day after day if you suddenly feel like hmm, like it's time i feel like i really want to push myself go and do it i'm gonna pick a workout again it's not gonna mess up your training in a sense by just going hard one day to with the purpose of you know both pushing yourself and and refreshing your signature so you know there's a time and place for everything and as armando's post says you know what you do original post that 
that was controversial was saying, you know, four to six months away, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, you don't want to be doing breakthrough workouts every single day, but, you know, you'd also don't necessarily have to stick to the plan of just base, 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 kind of a low threshold efforts all, all the time and go, go knock yourself out once in a while just for fun. I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat there expecting to hear the word Ronestad, and I'm actually oh, no. thoroughly no, no, surprised I came, that I, I didn't. First. I, th- I thought we were already yeah, right, capped out on that. I said, uh, the other thing that I wanted to add to that, too, is mm-hmm. it's almost like cycling's a hobby mm-hmm. and that you don't need to be forced into doing like low intensity. Like, like you were saying, you don't need to do the low intensity, low intensity, especially like that can be sometimes mentally grueling. Mm-hmm. So uh, if there is a chance for breakthrough or you feel like going for it, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all riding we're cycling because we enjoy doing it. So, well, you know, one one of the things to make note of um, is the reason why doing base training is so good, and why you would want to incorporate that into your training program, is because it really lifts your lower training load. And so, what does that mean? Well, at least in exert sense, when you hold on, everyone, put on your nerd glasses. Oh yeah, here, no, come, they, here yeah, comes yeah, an yeah, Armando yeah, yeah. Uh, nerd true. moment. Yeah, here. I know you can see it. You saw it coming. Um, so here's, here's what happens. So your, um, your lower training load gets increased. So you actually get, you get fitter. Your threshold goes up. You get fitter from that effort. You may see uh, your HIE and, and peak power be compromised as a result, but you're seeing your threshold power go up as, as a result of that lower base training. It also means that you can absorb more training. So that's the other side about seeing a higher training load is that means you can handle more training. And so what the system, what you'll see in the system is that as your lower training load goes up, it becomes harder and harder to get a red status. Because red status really means that everything needs to take a break, including your, your, your endurance, your lower training system, your LTP and lower kind of training. Even that needs to take a rest when you see red. Right? So if you've had a, a large accumulated amount of lower training loads, so let's say you're up to like four stars or something or five stars overall, and you'll see this if you're at that level, it's really hard to see red. You, you're, you're just, you're just, it's because you've accumulated so much training load, you, you'll never have to take a day off. Your body's so accustomed to right. having all of that stress that it's not, it's quote unquote, not a stress anymore. Now you'll see yellow. Right? So you'll see your high intensity and peak intensity system saying, hey, you know, give me a break. They're going to tell you that you need to slow down for terms of high intensity. But your lower training load, your LTP and lower is going to say, I can keep going. I've got all this, you know, I've been doing this now for a long time. But you just keep going, right? So that, what that means is that if you do, if you have built up a good lower training load and you do a, a breakthrough effort, chances are it may not go red. You may actually be able to kind of continue on the next day and not have it interrupt your ability to continue on the base training so you'll still be able to hop on the bike and still be able to do a nice long effort at a fairly easy pace and have that accumulate in, into your lower training load so that's one thing to keep in mind is that you, you can't add intensity during the base phase especially if you've built up a lot of training load um, because chances are it's not likely going to impede your ability to continue to add it so what you were talking about before, if, uh, if we were to go out and smash ourselves in some crit in the middle of our base phase, if our training load isn't high enough, like we were talking about, if, if we've only maybe got two or two and a half stars and we go out and do this really hard effort, you might be red for three, four days. And mm-hmm. that's going back to you're now compromising your ability to build that low training load. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, that's just some of what's going across in our mind and what we hope to share with you in this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of like society in general, right? The rich get richer in a sense and the the poor finds it harder to kind of move themselves upwards because, again, you have to build a... If you're at a one-star or two-star fitness, you have to build your fitness very, very gradually from the base up from that lower threshold power, get that really your aerobic system going. Because as soon as you go upwards, you know, that penalty for you at a one star or two star level is much more severe than it is for somebody with a five star, four or five star, because they can handle those loads. Their aerobic system is absorbing so much of that effort that, you know, that hard effort isn't straining them in a sense as much as it is for for a, um, a less fit rider. So that's really one of the purpose going back to why we have a base period in terms of overall periodization is so that you can really build that aerobic <laughs> system up, that low threshold power up as high as you can so that you can, in essence, recover more. Because the other way to look at training is it's not just kind of the hard efforts, but as Scott was saying just earlier, how often you can do hard efforts. The more often you can push yourself, ultimately the fitter you're gonna be. And the difference between a, again, a kind of a four or five star uh, fitness person and a one or two star fitness person is that one or two star fitness person may only be able to do a hard workout once a week. Whereas the four or five star, they can do it three times, maybe even four times a week you know, depending on their ability and they're just going to, in essence, it's almost a compound interest. You're just going to become fitter as a result because you can recover from a hard workout and go again in two days as opposed to waiting a week. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that's a great point there, Stephen, and and something that uh, is unique kind of with the Exert's Adaptive Training Advisor is a lot of times you'll have kind of those those, uh, standardized uh, programs where, okay, I'm going to do my intervals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so they're going to do their two um, high intensity days per week. But what, what you'll see with the adaptive training advisor is how many high intensity sessions per week you do is going to be dependent on a lot of factors. But uh, perhaps the largest of those factors is your training load. Um, if, if, it, if doing a high intensity session requires you to rest four days afterwards, then you're not going to be doing those on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's going to tell you, okay, we need to work on your endurance. So we're going to build up that endurance until you can start to tolerate those those higher intensity sessions. Yeah, and just to go back to it again, that's the whole concept of periodization. The base is really to build up the that lower threshold power, your aerobic system, get your kind of fitness as high as possible, your aerobic fitness, so that you can really optimize the build phase when the workouts become more specific to your desired focus as an athlete and also they become harder, right? If you have a low base going into build then again, you're going to take more time to recover before you can do another hard workout so you're not just compromising your overall performance you're compromising every aspect of it because you won't be able to train as hard in the build phase because you haven't built your base properly exactly yeah. uh, excellent points there um, so we've been talking kind of about periodization and, and and those sorts of things but I was hoping we could get more into uh, Armando on the exert side of things 
How, how does the adaptive training advisor recommend those workouts? How does it know that you need to do, let's say an endurance 2.5 star workout or a roller 3.5 star workout? Would you be able to maybe give some inside, uh, inside sight? Well, I, I, I think what the system, in terms of how it works, it looks at a bunch of factors that you would typically want to consider if you were a coach or if you're just picking out your own workouts, you go, well, what, what, what workout would I choose right now? What, what would be most valuable to me? What would I want to think about? Well, you think about kind of where are you right now in your training? So like Stephen was saying, are you a one star? Are you, how are you at five stars? So if you're at five stars, you need to do more, right? You need, if you want to continue to either sustain that or continue to improve. So again, back to, or considering the improvement rate, how fast are you improving? So if you're looking to improve faster, then you're going to have to do more. So that workout's going to have to try and incorporate more this week than last week. Right, if you're going to continue to ramp up your, your training at a certain aggressive improvement rate. So you'd want to factor that in. How much more training am I doing now than, 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 than I did last week? Um, where am I in my training? So am I in my base phase? So if you're in my base phase, then you want to choose something with a lot of low intensity strain and, and something that's not going to compromise your ability to kind of continue to do those base training workouts. So that's going to be part of the decision making process. Um, so, so, and your, where you are in your training or your training status, that is, is also going to help you decide, well, how difficult is the workout I can handle? And the reason why exert does this was it makes a lot of sense. So if, if you've built up a lot of training load, if you're at three, four, five stars, well, the only way to get there is by being able to do a lot of training stream. The only way to get through a lot of training stream is to be able to do a lot of really difficult riding. Right? So that's the presumption that the system makes is that you've got, in order to get the five stars, you've had a lot of volume and a lot of difficult rides under your belt. So you can handle something that has a large density of excess in the, in the workout. Right? So more difficulty. Right? So that's, that's how they're matched. And if you're not, if you're only at one star, well, then you really haven't done anything that difficult. So you can't, we can't prescribe something that's five stars to you. You're just not going to, you've never done that before. It's going to be like, very difficult to complete a five-star right, workout. Because you, have never, you haven't really done anything if you're at one star. So you can't think about trying to do something so difficult. So that's where the advisor, and I think kind of makes sense if you're going to pick a workout, you want to pick something that's going to be kind of what you think you can achieve relative to the amount of training you have. Is it within the, the training program? Is it base or is it, am I building or am I peaking? Am I going to do something that's going to be really targeted towards my event? So that's kind of how you're going to choose. Um, you're going to say, well, how much, how much of it do I need, right? Is it, is it, am I falling behind? Do I need to continue to keep up to speed so I can continue to achieve the kind of improvement that I'm aiming for? So these are sort of the things that, that you'll evaluate. And then you look at your recovery load. You'll get your status to color. So if you're yellow, then you go, eh, maybe I should postpone some high intensity work. Maybe wait till I move more, more, uh, I'm fresher. Or maybe I'd, I feel like I can do it today, so let's go ahead and do that today. And you go from yellow one day to yellow four days afterwards. You know, so that will happen if you continue to pile on the high intensity. You're just going to see this yellow, maybe even red, start to pop up and start to prolong the recovery before you can do another one. 
And, you know, and that's okay if you're prepared to kind of handle that. Maybe you've got an opportunity to really go out with your buddies and smash out some really high-intensity work. And that's just going to prolong your, your next uh, high-intensity workout. Maybe that's fine. So, so, again, you don't necessarily need to follow it precisely, but just be aware of what's going to happen as a result of choosing the workout that, that you're going to choose. And so that's really what the Adaptive Training Advisor does. Is it, it does, looks at all these factors and then scores every workout in the library. So it goes through every single workout, works out your XSS, your focus, your, your numbers for those workouts, and then based upon all these factors, weights them and scores them. And then sorts them for you in you know, recommended order. So the best ones will be on top and you know, they'll get... Uh, or the, the highest ranking ones will come first. And this applies both to when you log on the web, you'll see them in ranked order. You'll same thing if you're on the iOS app or the Android app now. So you open up the Android app and you click select and you go to the, if you get the recommended workouts tab, all of them are in ranked order. So with the highest ranking one first to the lowest ranking one at the end. So, so think about that as well. So that's what it's doing, it's scoring them and you should be sort of thinking of trying to pick something closer to the top of that list. And the closer you are to the top of the list, the more the, the, the system thinks that it's best matched to your situation right at that moment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, there, there is uh, one question that we get uh, somewhat commonly from, from the audience that I did want to highlight kind of during this, uh, during this podcast here. And that's uh, if the the adaptive training advisor recommendation, so on the left-hand side of the screen, if it's showing that I should consider maybe a roller style workout, uh, and then the if I go to the right-hand side where it's showing the recommended workouts, and the top recommend workout is maybe breakaway specialists, is do I need to maybe go and select a roller workout, or am I okay to select that breakaway specialist? Why do you think that might happen? Um, well, it, it's happening because you know, we don't have an infinite number of workouts. So we have a finite number of workouts and they're all going to be in different focus and in different durations or different XSS. All those various factors I was talking about where we're going to factor those in and score them that it's not just, you know, rule or workouts that you're going to get prescribed because those were obviously going to get scored higher from the focus side. But maybe those other factors, maybe all the all ruler workouts that we have in the system that match your XSS and match everything else are too difficult for you. So maybe a breakaway specialist one is more matched to your training load than the ruler because they're so close in terms of their focus duration that their breakaway specialist workout gets ranked higher. So it's just because it's factoring all those factors in. Uh, and that we don't have an infinite supply of workouts that we're going to look for oh, from the library, the ones that you have access to. This, these are the ones that are best matched to your specific demands at the moment. But if they wanted to go out and perhaps give a try at freestyling a workout, then they should aim to hit that, that recommended workout type instead. Yeah, ideally, if you're, gonna, if, you're, if you're open to kind of just training outside of the workouts and just want to train and just kind of freestyle it as you're describing... Yeah, absolutely. If that's where you are in your training, um, and that's often the case in the, you know, if you're looking at ruler workouts, you're gonna be somewhere either in the build phase or in the peak phase, if that's what your target athlete type is, then yeah, you, you wanna be ensuring. If you're in the, if you pick ruler as your athlete type and you're a few weeks away from your training, yeah, you wanna make sure that your workouts are ruler. You don't wanna be doing 
you know, uh, whatever, you know, sprint training mm -hmm. at that time. You may have done a little bit beforehand, but, you know, up, up until, uh, uh, you know, prior to your event, you want to be doing um, the workouts that are really ideally suited to your event. Which I think is a very great segue to the next uh, the next topic mm -hmm. that I wanted to cover today, which is uh, which is tapering, and so I think uh, one one other question that we get quite often with exert is okay how how do I do this taper? And so uh, I was hoping maybe the two of you would be able to provide some insight on uh, specifically within exert what what's the goal of the taper and and how do I do it? Well, I'll start with the kind of the scientific uh, side of tapering is. Why do we want to taper is because you want to optimize your freshness for that that competition so uh, you know you if you're going into it really fatigued you're not going to be able to push yourself as hard as if you were you were fresh you'd had a few days of lower than normal kind of training so that your body can really adapt fully and also be as fresh as possible for the day of so it depends on the competition kind of the length of really how long you want to taper uh, and also the kind of the type of competition so take a classic example of of in the pros if you're if you're tapering for the classic season and you want to be at your absolute top shape for this one day at the tour of flanders then you want to be as absolutely fresh as possible and uh, and you want to be able to hit it all out on that one day. Whereas if you were uh, going into, into the Tour de France, into a three week effort, you, you, know, you may want to go into it with, a, you can afford to go into it with a little bit of fatigue maybe a bit more you, you you can go into it with a shorter uh taper because you want to you know really continue that high workload because you're going to have a high workload day after day so the type of competition really depends on the taper so again going back to for example if you have a series of races if you're going into your key events for a few weeks at a time, then you can almost treat it as a stage race, right? And um, where you're going to be competing and you really want to be at your best for, you know, three week period, then you would treat it as more of a stage race. So that's kind of how you would do it. The general principle on how to structure a taper, originally the thought was you just want to reduce everything and both intensity and duration, volume, everything. But now we know kind of the latest literature has demonstrated that you want to reduce the volume. You may or may not want to reduce the intensity by the same proportion. So for example, you might drop your overall volume by 50%, but maybe your intensity or the number of intervals that you do uh, to maybe only 80% or 75% of what you might normally do because you still want that high intensity energy, that kind of uh, really sharp race fitness to still be there because that decays a lot lot faster. Whereas the, the aerobic side takes a lot longer to decay. So you can afford to drop that volume by a lot more 
than that high intensity uh, energy. That's and that's you know you this this is how it's been described in the literature and interestingly with an exert the numbers kind of support that because if you you know if if you go and reach you know a tired status or a red status a very tired status into your event you know obviously you're you didn't taper enough and if you think about what happens during the event and we talked about this in a previous podcast mm-hmm. is that you know if you're if you got into a, uh, any kind of workout whether a race or a workout or activity and you go into it blue and if you come out at the end red well what's happened well at some point in the middle, <laughs> you've gone from blue to red, right, during that five-hour five ride. So you've fatigued your low, your high, and your peak system. Right. So if you go from blue to yellow, it's the same thing. You're going to, you, at some point, and so what you want to make sure is that you're into that, uh, you know, you're, you're fresh enough to be able to achieve that, work, that, that, that race effort. Um, and you, in preparation for that, you don't want to start... Miss, you don't want to lose your focus. You want to make sure all your systems are fired up and and seeing kind of that training load at its best that it could be leading into that event. So that's why it makes perfect sense mathematically to exert, say, just do your focused workouts for that effort. Lead, just do them shorter so you don't get tired. You don't get the you know, you don't get yellow status leading into it. You don't get yellow status too early in the event itself. But all your training should be focused on doing that specific effort that you're going to be doing during the race. That's going to keep the training load as, as, as topped up as possible leading into that event. And so that's the way you want to be training. Now, just to mention that the system won't automatically taper you. So we get this question a lot. You know, why isn't it? Why is it still recommending all these workouts? So the the system itself doesn't map out your day to day training right until event. The only day it really kind of recognizes is the day before. So if you're a day before your event, it's smart enough to know they're not going to prescribe anything other than a kind of a light workout on the day before. But leading into that, it's not going to be very precise on what workouts you need to do leading up until that day before. But you just need to make your own reasonable judgments in terms of where you know what's your status leading into it. Monitor that status so that you're fresh enough in that event. Work lightly the day before with a specifically focused, you know, opener workout as an example. That's going to put you in the best position to perform on that day. I think one of the reasons that it's not automated, and it's probably a good thing that it's not automated, is we already talked. There's so many factors that go into 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 that taper. What type of event is it? What's going to be the the, the mm-hmm. XSS of that event? Uh, is it one day? Is it multiple days? How are you feeling too? How are you feeling? How, how are you feeling on that week before? And plays such an important role that you know you've got to really pay close attention to everything that's going on, and and be very um, that awareness needs to be at a, at its highest. Yeah, and one key thing though certainly is uh, in terms of your ramp rate. You shouldn't be on an aggressive ramp rate during your tapering. You, right. you have to go into the settings, into your goals, and manually set it to whether it's maintenance or or uh, taper so that your the system knows that, okay, you're no longer trying to build extra training load. You're just trying to at most maintain it or you know even taper it so that you can go into it as 
fresh as possible. So that, so that is one thing you should do when you do it. And again, whether it's one week out, two weeks out, again, it depends on that kind of what kind of event you're going to be tapering for and how long kind of your peak phase, uh, can your peak competition phase really is. Yeah, and so one way that, the, the way that I typically like to go about the, the taper and exert is if, if you go to the fitness planner, you can actually, um, you can drag different activities, a lot of you know this, but you can drag different workouts or activities into the planner and it'll show you projected a couple days into the future. And so usually like two weeks or a week out from, from that event, uh, I'd like to start clicking and dragging like the opener workouts. I'll drag, okay, what happens if I do an opener the day before? Oh, it's showing me it's tired. Okay, so maybe I need to do it two days before and then do a real light aerobic ride the day before. Uh, and so there mm -hmm. is, like like we talked about, one to two weeks before your your event, you might want to actually start using that that fitness planner and work backwards from the, the target event day to mm -hmm. today and make sure that when you do arrive on that target event day, you're ideally looking for blue. Um, if it's going to be a huge ride, maybe even green stars on that target event day. Yeah, and a classic example of good tapering versus bad tapering was uh, Paris Ancaster for me in 2017 versus 2018. Again, it's the end of April, uh, and in 2017, a little like the week before, I was down in Virginia coaching with Hunter Allen, and we put in you know, about 14 hours over the uh, previous five days of super hard ride of all kinds and i came back you know one day drive back and then the next day thrust into paris ancaster and i was you know within the first 5k i was dropped so badly and just struggled the whole time as opposed to i didn't go coach uh, with hunter in 2018 and i could really plot my training systematically taper well and i you know one of the best rides i've ever had um you know, in my career, let alone uh, kind of at Paris Sancaster that day. So it does make an absolute huge difference, kind of those those final two weeks. So it's really as we start at the top with Armando saying, it's uh, you know you can't afford to to really mess up those really that last peak phase and especially that tapering phase if you want to optimize. So it's. It's just like I tell my students all the time, you can't cram for an exam. Like you, that last week is not the time to try to make up all of the training you didn't do the three months beforehand. You know, it's just not going to end up well. Yep. All um, right. Um, it looks like we're getting close on time here. Uh, mm -hmm. I had covered all the topics that I wanted to cover today. Is there anything else that you guys would like to bring up? No, I don't know. Do you want to summarize it? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, really the key thing is, you know, as far in advance, and again, the XATA sets up 120 days before training or before your key kind of event. So one of the questions is, again, well, you know, like if I have this, I want to, you know, going back to last fall, I, I want to do well all of cyclocross season well you know, really pick a month in there where you really want to start being at your best so when do you set that goal date it's uh you know if for example you might have a few races that you want to do really well but then there's provincials coming up you know that might be the day that you set up or maybe the provincials is kind of the first of three weeks that you want to compete your best in so you know you you 
you really have to decide within there where is that kind of I would say really a th you can't really sustain a peak much more than three weeks so really set it kind of where you want the heart of your peak abilities to be uh, but so the first thing to do is to set that and then you know again work backwards from there though remember the whole point of base is to really try to build up as much training load as you can because even as you're in your build and peak phase that is kind of getting to be more the sharpening of your specific fitness not necessarily building more and more overall aerobic fitness that's where you're really trying to trying to be at. the workouts become more and more specific to your your focus athlete and uh, so so use your base wisely once you're in your your build hopefully you have that strong base and you can have enough fitness that you can be you know training hard more than you know for example if you were able to do at that time last year and then once you get to the peak phase in the in the ata that's time to really be systematic be as kind of compliant in the workouts as as you can in the focus in terms of the duration um, and all of those parameters absolutely um and just i'll regeneralize remember that uh the adaptive training advisor it's sorting through both your your program status uh the the type of focus that you need to be completing how much xss uh it, it is weighing all these things for you and it, it does give those recommended workouts so uh we do take a lot of the guesswork out of it also uh, which I, was, is nice. I was talking to some just a little brief aside i was talking to somebody about the software and i was like so disappointed because we've designed things that actually works really efficiently in the software so you know most people when you when you hit the workout button inside the inside the Android app, for example, so go fetch all the workouts. It fetches all the workouts literally within like a couple of seconds. So so the system goes through all whatever how many thousand workouts you may have, right? Calculates your XSS focus for all those workouts, um, runs them through, scores them all by all these different variables, sorts them all, sends them back to the to the Android and presents them to you. And you're like, oh, there's my workouts. And you, and what you don't see is like everything that went on in the system to make all that happen. So like, can we can we have like this little like like horn? Ta da! Here's your know, Look at everything we've managed to figure out for you. So you have everything you need to to choose the best workout. It happens so quickly that you lose sight of everything and all the math and all the calculations. So, so just remember that, you know, for me, please. You know, when you <laughs> when you when these workouts do show up and all this recommended ranked order, that there's a lot that went on to make that happen, even though it may not have, it may not appear so. And then the yeah. last call out is again, maybe Scott can talk us through is your you're able to design your own workouts, so you're not restricted to just what is there in the current library. So you can design your own and Scott, maybe you can talk us through about how you can share them too with the rest of uh, exerters. Yeah, so uh, I think we've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but uh, we do have a shared workout community. Um, I believe uh, you can find it by going to uh, community, my coach, uh, and you'll actually find, uh, if you're not already a member, you can go to join a coach uh, and you'll find a, a coaching community there called um, Shared, shared work, shared, yeah. shared workout coach community, mm -hmm. and so you can apply and, and join that workout community. And actually, within there, you can see 
uh, all of our fan submitted workouts. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, all of those, once you, once you join that coaching community, all of those workouts are added to your coach library. And then when the, the adaptive training advisor does its magic, ta-da, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it includes all of the fan submitted workouts in there as well. So mm-hmm. we've got, uh, I, I want to pull it up here. There's a couple hundred workouts in there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those will now also be added to the adaptive training advisor as it sorts and figures out what's the best workout for you. Yeah, um, and, and if you do wanna, if you do wanna share one in there, I believe. Yeah, you uh, can, uh, can you can share one of your own. So if you create your own workout, it's just a matter of putting the word "share me" in the description. Uh, you know, we haven't really implemented a, 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 a convenient way of doing it, but that kind of works for now. So you just put the word "share me," it'll show up in the shared workout community. But I just want to add a point, uh, Scott, that uh, I think that's an important one that you're mentioning is that when you, if you join a coach community, then all the workouts that are in that coach community show up under your coach tab in the workouts. And those are also scored, evaluated, and ranked as part of that process. So even if you have another, you know, a thousand workouts that are you know, your coach, you know, the, all the coaches that you belong to, those will get automatically scored and ranked and sorted and everything as well. So system takes all of that into consideration, not just the ones in the, uh, in the standard library. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. go check that out. Uh, let us know what your favorite workout is. <laughs> I think I know what Stevens is already. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Armando stole my thunder. It's no longer my favorite workout. <laughs> all right, no, we need okay. a new joke now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you both for the uh, discussion today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank so, you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Have a great one.